Hey listeners, my name is Shara Donahue, and welcome to The Bible Never Said That, a podcast where we talk about popular sayings that make their way through culture and churches, even though they are theologically twisted. Let me remind you, I don't discuss these to rally around why the culture is so wrong or to help you find a way to shut down someone offering well-meaning advice, but instead it is for us to explore together the ways that holding on to wrong belief distorts truth and leads us down destructive roads. Today's statement can be especially damaging. Today we are looking at the idea and belief that people don't really change. don't really change? What a defeatist statement. goes along with, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Man, as I'm getting older, I really hope that's not true, and I don't believe it is. But we can't discover a bad attitude or habits in ourselves or others and then just let them stay there because, well, people can't change. No, don't you do that. You stop that right now. We look to the God of redemption and ask for his mercies that are new every morning to heal us, change us, and transform us. Real change is always available, and it is found at the feet of our Savior. Paul reminded the Corinthians of what happens when somebody is saved by the grace of Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it clearly says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. We serve a God who loves to talk about renewal and repentance in his word. In the book, How People Change, Timothy Lane observes that we think how much better life would be if a certain situation or relationship were different. Meanwhile, God says that what needs change most is us. He does not just work to fix situations and relationships. He is intent on rescuing us from ourselves. We are the focus of his loving, lifelong work of change. Now, we see hints, tricks, and tips for self-improvement all the time. And although we should pursue constant learning and growth in our lives, the saying, people don't really change, comes up most often when we're referencing someone's character because people have been burned. And in the confusion of that hurt, believing people don't really change gives us a why for our experience. These are those moments where culture takes life lessons from Oprah, who talks about how Maya Angelou taught her when people show you who they are, believe them the first time. And hey, I've met plenty of toxic people, and that is reasonable wisdom for dealing with businesses and the world, because the truth is that apart from Jesus, lasting change doesn't happen, but with him, it absolutely can. How do we know? Well, biblically, we have some interesting case studies to look at. Let us consider Paul, the apostle also known as Saul, the prosecutor of Christians. He encountered Jesus and was forever changed from that moment on. But that didn't mean others fully believed the change was real. Paul had changed, but many still feared this man who took the road to Damascus in hopes of wiping out Christianity and instead encountered Christ. 
Paul was new, forgiven, and ready to live his life as a continual sacrifice to Jesus. But God gave Paul someone who believed in him. God sent Barnabas. Now, whenever I hear Barnabas' name, I get this warm and comforting feeling. This was a man who believed in second chances. He was a generous man of influence who had helped to build the church. In Acts 4, he is introduced as the son of encouragement. And in Acts 9, 26-28, we see him stand for Paul. When Paul arrives in Jerusalem, the scriptures tell us, He tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fiercely in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. This piece of scripture may be one of the most important introductions in church history, but let's follow Barnabas's consistent character a little further. Barnabas and Paul's relationship is mentioned again in Acts 11, verses 24 and through 26. Reveal to us, he, Barnabas, was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Here we see Barnabas continuing to encourage growth in Paul. He sought him out and brought him to people he loved because Barnabas knew that with Jesus, people really do change. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. But we aren't done yet. In chapter 13, Barnabas and Saul again depart on mission, and something interesting happens in this chapter. Two shifts appear. As Barnabas and Saul move deeper into Gentile territory, Saul becomes Paul. Right? This is where that switch happens. Saul is how Hebrews would address him, and Paul is how Romans would. In my opinion, it's a poetically masterful choice by Luke. But I digress. The other switch here in Acts 13 is that the scriptures stop listing this duo as Barnabas and Saul and move to Paul and Barnabas. It feels like one of those, the student has become the teacher moments to me. 
And it's a good thing that Paul can stand on his own at this point because their partnership is about to come to an abrupt conclusion. In Acts 15, as Barnabas's belief in second chances and how people change is challenged over Barnabas's cousin, John Mark, who is most likely the man who later served as Peter's secretary for the writing of the Gospel of Mark and likely to be the naked guy fleeing in the garden when Jesus is arrested. See Mark 14, 51 through 52 for that. Anyway, Barnabas wants Mark to join them on the next missionary journey. And Paul did not because as Acts 15, 38 through 41 tells us, he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They, Paul and Barnabas, had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. Now, there was this disagreement, but ministry didn't stop. It multiplied as they both went to serve Jesus. Paul mentions Barnabas's continued ministry in 1 Corinthians 9, 6. And there are many things that I would love to point out about this passage, but the main point of looking at this today is to witness Barnabas's commitment to the belief that people change. And later when Paul is writing Timothy, we see that Paul eventually recognized that Mark had changed because he instructs Timothy as they make plans to reunite, get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me and my ministry. That's 2 Timothy 4.11. John Mark had changed. And so had Paul. People can change. We may see behavior modification in ourselves as we chase 10 steps to weight loss, freedom from addiction, or a better relationship. But without Christ, all change is temporary and will fade away. It will not follow us past death. And there is life after death. Because without Christ, we remain dead in our sins. Colossians 2, 13 and 14 paints this reality well. Paul says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. We can change, but our attempts at transformation apart from God remind me of the first season my son played flag football. It was quite an experience. He knew nothing about the game of football, but he had the energy to learn. God bless those coaches that teach these peewee leagues. At practice, they explained that he was supposed to make sure the defense did not get his flags before he got to the end zone or the play would be over. What he understood was protect the flags at all costs. So when the ball was his to run with and the defense approached, he assessed their motivation and with his objective in mind, he handed the defense the ball and took off. He proceeded to the end zone at full tilt without the ball, but with his flags and his own, he had his own little victory dance down there as he celebrated as those flags got to the end zone. And this is what we do with external change. We pretty up the outside and change the external. But if we get to the end of our lives, waving all our flags, but we're empty handed, we have missed the point that what needs to be changed most is the inner 
man and how to bring change to our greatest fault, that our choices have separated us from our creator. Only the acceptance of the amazing grace of Jesus as Lord and Savior offers the change that impacts people at the most foundational level. It is at this decision that a person goes from lost to found, dead to alive, from a slave of the flesh to a person freed to walk with Jesus. A.W. Tozer says in The Pursuit of God that we need never shout across the spaces to an absent God. He is nearer than our own soul, closer than our most secret thoughts. We need not strive to get Jesus' attention, but we must approach him with a listening heart because it is in listening to him that the voice of our flesh begins to be overpowered by the voice of the Holy Spirit. When his voice becomes the loudest, that's when we know we have been changed in a way that has moved us from death to life and has been made permanent by grace. In John 10, 27 through 29, Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. God knows us, and we can follow him into the unknown, changed and made new. So let's make sure we are constantly praying for teachable hearts. And let's pray for that right now. Lord, I thank you that you have changed us. That if we belong to you, you have taken the darkest stain within our souls and made it as white as snow because of your great love. Help us to remember that the little things that hurt us each day or that we hurt others with are things that can change. That the character defaults that we see within ourselves are things that can be made to be more like you. That you finish the work you begin and you will bring it to completion. And because of that, we can rest and trust you to continue to move in us as we listen to you. Help us to have our ears and our souls attuned to your voice. Help us to know your voice, to hear it, to see it, to know, to walk with you into every aspect of our lives. You are so good to us. Thank you for the renewal that you've given us in our lives thus far and help us to look with hope towards the future for what you will continue to do. And it is in Jesus name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me today to remember the hope of change that Jesus brings and the resources, books, and articles referred to in the show can be found in the notes on lifeaudio.com slash podcast or over on iTunes or whatever your favorite listening platform is. And we'd love it if you could rate and review this podcast or tell your friends about it so that others can find us. And until next time, may you seek the abundant life. It's worth it. Jesus died to give it, and may you live in the truth that sets people free.
In a recent survey, parents reported that 52% of homeschooled children need learning accommodations. These parents need practical advice, encouragement, and hope to fuel their homeschooling efforts. The Empowering Homeschool Conversations podcast is where parents gain wisdom on how to teach unique learners successfully at home, like Laura, who recently told us, I needed this episode. I don't need a fancy curriculum or need to be a special ed teacher to teach my son. You have given me hope. To listen now, go to Life Audio or search Empowering Homeschool Conversations on your favorite podcast app.